0: So, Jane knows how this works. You all know how this works, don't you? Uh, we've got um, six talking points for you, and we are going to start with field sizes. That's today because, well, it's it's been in the news. We've got a race at uh, Sandown today. We've got 17 grand on offer. Mm. We've got two runners.
1: Yeah, this isn't a new phenomenon. I don't know why it's only in the news today. Not since 2011 has the intermediate chase attracted more than a field of five, four... Uh, Pym beat three last year, Sinti- Santini beat four. It's a race that Nicky Henderson likes to target with these really highly rated horses. He won it with Might Bite as well. There's just too many races. There's not enough good horses to contest them. Chantry House is rated 162. If you run a horse rated 130 just to run for prize money and you finish relatively close to him, you risk being uh, crucified by the handicapper. Ah, So,
0: it's the, so it's, the, it's, the, it's the system that's wrong. There's
1: that, but there's also too many options. You've the Charlie Hall, you have the Badger Beers yesterday, which is an odd to one five five. You have the Betfair Chase; they're all staying chases. Um, I do believe that some of these graded races need to be converted to handicaps, but lose their graded graded status. I don't believe the handicaps should be graded. That's a whole other talking point for another day. But there's just too many options, and I know we'll get to a stage where of the season where Nicky Henderson says he doesn't have enough options for his horses. But quite frankly, he targets this race for a reason, because it's uncompetitive. And uh, look, I like the big breakaway. He's a great horse. He's rated 148. But he shouldn't hold a candle. He's a stone less than Chandry House today, who should start his season with a relatively easy run.
0: So it's not the prize money this issue, clearly, because the prize money for that is, is, is fair enough. Yeah. You can't grumbling at that prize My, money. It's the fact that there are too many of that type of race.
1: I'm actually surprised there hasn't been Irish horses come over for it. We saw two Irish horses in the intermediate hurdle yesterday. and Maybe this is something that they'll target in the future, but Chantry House is the class act. There's just too many graded races uh, of this nature in, in a, a tight space of time in the UK and not enough horses to contest them.
0: Why, have the, uh, why do the Irish do it so much better? Why does it seem as though novice chases in Ireland are so much more competitive? It seems like there's certainly more uh, a bigger field size each time. There's why? better
1: novices and there's more of them in Ireland.
0: And that, with that, we come on to Irish Raiders, um, which you touched on in here. Now, um, a whole host of Irish Raiders yesterday, races we wouldn't normally expect, for example, two in the, in the elite hurdle. We've got more again today. Um, they can't come over and, and, and contest the weaker races. We know that because of COVID legislation, but the better races they can, and they are. Why?
1: Well, surely the COVID uh, legislation should be changed now, but we'll matter that for another day. So a seventh talking point. Why? Why is there more Irish raiders uh, in the UK? I feel like better horses can dodge bullets until the main event, which is always Cheltenham. Uh, whereas in Ireland, we have you know maybe one or two midweek um, fixtures, and then the weekend. We have a tighter, condensed program. And it was basically an opportunity that Norman Lee obviously s- felt that Soul Pretender would s- be suited uh, in the Elite Hurdle and um, Peter Fahey as well. But you, if you stay at home, you're going to meet uh, today a notebook in the, for the Chase. You're going to meet yesterday Colixios and Jeff Kidder in the, the Mullen Hurdle It's or in the F- F- Fishery Lane Hurdle. There's some very, very good horses in Ireland and I feel like there might be easier opportunities for them here.
0: So you know,
1: not not well executed yesterday now because no. the two horses didn't win. But it's good then when you see a Paul Nichols come over and beat us at a at a down royal cross channel competition should be. Uh a regular thing, yeah. but it,
0: but it, but it's not, is it necessarily? The you know the Clondisloe, uh, for example, of the Punchestown Festival was was more of a rarity. Why is Paul
1: Nicholls <laughs> the only person that comes to Ireland?
0: Because he I mean I, he is he's the, I, for, for some reason the the person that tends to see those opportunities. But I think we see that in his UK campaigning as well. I mean the Dublin Racing Festival is brilliant racing through and through. Yeah. But why is a UK runner over there a rarity, whereas Cheltenham over here the Irish come over and dominate?
1: Because you have so many races, you don't need to come over. And you're quite content to run for very small prize money. I must actually give credit to Harry Fry. He had a winner at Punch Town Festival last year.
0: Yeah, he did. I feel like we've sort of, the long and the short of it is the similar similar answer to both of those points. There's too much racing in the UK. I would take
1: the programme, I'd burn it, and I'd restructure the whole thing. But I can't do that.
0: (laughs) No. you can't. Um, it, would be a, it would be a fire hazard. Let's move on to Safer Gambling. Um, now, so we're at the end of Safer Gambling Week. We're in um, the, the fifth year of, of Safer Gambling. I feel like this year it's got more attention within the horse racing industry than ever. Um, that's been received positively. There have also been some of those that have called it out as um, a bit of a PR exercise, but actually whether enough is genuinely being done behind the scenes. What's your view?
1: My view is that I was surprised that it's the fifth year of it. I was unaware of that. I thought this year was one of the first. And should every week not be uh, Safer Gambling Week? Should it not be something we're aware of all the time? Um, I don't think it... Personally, I I don't think it achieves a whole pile. Everybody's a different perspective. That's mine.
0: But I suppose it's where we are right now as an industry. Larger than the industry, because Safer Gambling is... Is Name so the, two, important the, the, t-
1: the two biggest chases that I just mentioned, the Betfair Chase and the Ladbrook Trophy. You know, we are uh, betting dominated sport and industry and um, we need to be careful with how we handle that, but gambling is important to us as well.
0: But in order for it to be in everyone's psyche week in, week out, don't we have to go through a phase where there is a huge amount of PR for one week of the year around it in order to launch it to the next level?
1: Perhaps, but does it, does it achieve much?
0: Well, I suppose that that, in the fullness of time, we'll only see whether it achieves much, whether yeah. it, it starts becoming into into everyone's consciousness day in day out.
1: I just hope it's not a token effort, because our next talking point is is an, is another little contentious issue.
0: Um, it is, um, and of course, there everything that comes with this are the the checks around safer gambling, which I know is um, you know putting a good deal of punters off and. Mm. Um, that's a concern going forward because of the reliance on the betting industry that, that our sport has.
1: Yeah, um, I, again, as somebody who doesn't gamble, it's a little bit difficult. The checks, I'm not totally against. I, I do think s- some gamb- people who punt gambling is like a dirty word. I know I'm going a little bit over time, but you can enjoy your betting as well without having a problem. There's a fine line, but we don't have to, not everybody has a problem.
0: I think that's um, something that our guest on uh, last week, who, who spoke about that very well, who'd had a gambling issue in the past, ex-professional sportsman, um, said that you know he's not against gambling per se, but it needs to be done in the right way. It mm. needs it needs to be fun. Um, we covered that last week and this week. Now, kid gloves welfare. Um, we put this in. Um, really, with regard to uh, the international meetings we've had this week. So the Melbourne Cup, I know that you spoke about extensively in in the past, um, and the checks that have gone on there, and also um, a little bit to do with modern games. Who broke out the front of the stalls was scratched and then reinstated in the race. Uh, part of that, he was he was taken out on essentially veterinary advice because the vet withdrew him because he come out the front of the stores but there was also a statement which has suggested that can cause a shoulder injury so was that ever a welfare issue and our welfare is a fear of, of welfare and how that is perceived affecting all races and international races.
1: Well, I think a lot of us are f- afraid to talk about it because when you think welfare, you think, oh, I have to say this, even if I think that. But take last night's uh, saga where the horses withdrawn on veterinary advice, or was it Friday night, the horses withdrawn on veterinary advice without the vet actually yeah. checking the horse. That surely is o- an overreaction. I, I think we have to do everything right in terms of animal welfare, but when we were looking at... Um, autumn evening falling at Nays yesterday we were talking about is the horse okay and Sean O'Keefe was absolutely buckled underneath it you know we need to find a fine balance um, and uh, look we are a sport that is an, an equine sport, we, we we are a bloodstock industry but there are p- elements to it where we think we have to say this for perception when all matter of fact and common sense goes out the window
0: and uh, and as far as races at the top level are are, are we in danger of going too far one way or do we have to go to that extent do you think?
1: there's one thing as well when when with a trainer a trainer goes through rigorous uh, to get a license you go through a rigorous process and i think they are not trusted enough to know the soundness of their own horses and that's for me the issue with australia
0: that was the melbourne cup issue yeah. that they should know what they're doing and actually why,
1: why give them licenses if they don't know if a horse is sound or not
0: That's definitely affected the the Melbourne Cup, there's no doubt about that. Hopefully it will come back the other way going forward, I think. Um, Right, junior hurdles, a new um, three-year-old, as far as the end of this season goes, and four-year-old campaign next season for junior hurdlers only. Um, Something that's been instated really... Um, to compete with the the French uh, and Irish getting young horses in the UK jumping earlier. What are the positives about this incentive and what are the negatives?
1: Um, Look, The positives are I suppose that we will uh, have a program for three-year-old hurdlers from October to December and four-year-olds in their four-year-old year year that can run these uh, development hurdles and still qualify as novices for the the preceding year so it's the same status as a bumper or point-to-point point. they can still run as a novice the following year. My issue with it is uh, in the short term anyway it's likely to be dominated by French bred horses because the store sales are typically run May, June, July, August. Those three-year-olds that are unbroken are unlikely to be ready for the autumn to uh, for the October to December program. That said they could run as four-year-olds in the new year um so you're likely to have a dominance of French breads for the start mm. um, the other side of it is when I was small I remember going to the store sales and it was very common to have unbroken four-year-olds at the Irish store sales and now that's an almost a thing of the past so that's a development in recent times and could this program develop further an incentive to have two-year-old stores in Ireland. That's something that has been tried before, it's not a new phenomenon, it wasn't a success before. But now there's a programme of races for it, it might change that. The
0: people behind it are looking at French horses jumping earlier, uh, Irish horses potentially jumping earlier and say well there's nothing different in the quality of the breeding, but perhaps the horses over here are suffering a little bit more because they're not being exposed to jumping uh, as early as they might be. I suppose a potential issue early on, for I think it's a good incentive, is you come back to the top point there and field sizes, we might not see the biggest fields in these type of races initially.
1: That's not a surprise, but I suppose anything new is going to be a little bit different and going to be a little challenging, but if it is benefiting the breed to contest the French, French are still likely to dominate in the the short term.
0: Every time I hear that bell I think a Breeders' Cup race is about to start. Uh, The stalls are opening! (laughs) They are! Um, Right, Um, this is over to you, point-to-point insurance, uh, Irish point-to-point insurance, take it away Jane.
1: So there is a bit of an issue, a quite concerning issue in Ireland where a lot of point-to-point committees cannot get insurance cover. Uh, to run their events. Liberty Insurance was the main underwriter um, previously and they have chosen not to renew any policies going forward leaving many hunts with expiring policies over the coming weeks and months. Just to give you a glimpses to how severe it is in the short term, just pre-Christmas there are five hunts uh, affected. Three of them have managed to reshuffle their programme to stage their point points before the, the, their policy expires. Two of them, Tinahili and Lestrona, which were due to be staged this week have been cancelled. Uh, Northern Ireland. If you look at uh, the point, pointing uh, as a geographical, they're, they're segmented in Ireland. Um, Northern Ireland are okay because they're covered by a British-based underwriter. The Cork-Watford circuit are okay because they have been, uh, they've renewed their policy before a certain date. But basically, it seems like it's a little bit of a knock-on effect from Brexit. It's been a stimulus to that because it's not just an issue within our industry. It's more an issue with small recreational activities in Ireland, just to give you an example, um, Dublin's Christmas on Ice has been cancelled because it can't get insurance. Um, So UK-based insurance would ordinarily be content to cover such items in Ireland, but now they're not incentivized enough to set up in Ireland for such a relatively small gain. Um, But it's up to our government to apply pressure to the insurance companies um, to help this situation. Now that has been brought up at government level. a TD Jackie Cahill, who we'll remember, helped um, put pressure on the government to get racing back, and was uh, the head of the Aractus committee during uh, the case over the summer. He spoke at Dáil Éireann on Tuesday about this at government level, and Sean Fleming, the Minister for State, uh, Minister of State at the Department of Finance, uh, has promised to bring this up to insurance companies and insurance reform. But when we look at our two runners in the intermediate chase what is one of them 295 grand for Chantry House 360 grand for the big breakaway point pointing is a big industry in Ireland and it's in a little bit of trouble so
0: this isn't a, this is a problem now but it's something that could potentially get worse unless something is done absolutely jane thank you
1: it's it's been a pleasure i feel like we've gone from point pointing to delmar and all in one it's full circle
0: yeah I have um Oh, we need to end, we're we're ending talking points, so that's it for talking points.